Welcome to The Value Script, the podcast where we bring value every episode for the everyday person. I am your host, Lonnie Carmichael, and I am flanked by the lovely Meredith mm, Carmichael. Flanked again. <laughs> flanked again. Flanked again. Today, I wanted to share my reflections on a story found in the Bible. And um, I, I love this story, uh, and I, I probably think about it in a little bit of a unique perspective compared to most people due to life experience and, um, well, what, I've recently, what we've recently gone through. Um, but I think it illustrates how uh, Jesus was the man. Like, he was a rebel in, in, in a lot of ways, culturally and um, as far as the laws and the governments were concerned, the way things were ruled, he really stood out. And he wasn't afraid to speak up, and he wasn't afraid to be honest about how he felt. But he was very smart about how he went about it. And one of the stories that illustrates this the most, I feel, is the woman that was taken in adultery. And it's found in John chapter 8, and it's verses 2 through 11 that that I want to focus on. And the uh, Pharisees and the scribes were always trying to trick Jesus. They were always trying to get him to break a law or to do something that they could say, hey, look, he just messed up. And then they could discredit him and they could discredit his following and they could discredit what he was doing as far as culturally changing the way people thought about God and their relationship with him and the re- and, and really instituting the Christian religion. And so they find this woman who is committing adultery. And in verse four, it says, even in the very act, these people took this woman in the very act of committing adultery. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be like you i mean really though just think about that for a second like not only are you know you're committing adultery right then these dudes come in and just rip you out of the room and take you and throw you in the street in front of jesus and you think you're going to be stoned yeah and, and according to jewish tradition the way to handle that is this woman should have been stoned wow and and to death that was the punishment for adultery And what I didn't realize until recently was that they were under Roman law. They weren't under judicial law. So under Roman law, if they would have followed their Judaic traditions, Jesus would have been an accessory to murder. And they could have pinned that on him because it was illegal under Roman law to stone anybody. And so they were trying to get him to go, okay, Are we going to get him to break a cultural tradition so that we can call him out that way? Or are we going to get him to break a law that is, you know, under our Roman system of government and then we can pin him that way? And he saw the trap from the beginning. And as they were talking to him, they were asking the question, what do we do with this woman? What is the right thing to do? Because in the law, it says we should stone her. And, but not talking to the actual law that they were under. And so he just goes down and starts drawing on the ground as if he didn't hear him, which is pretty, you know, again, it, it, it speaks to his defiance, right? Like he's actually um, kind of putting it in their face, like, you know, you guys don't get it. And they kept, it says in verse six, they kept tempting him that they might have act, that they might have to accuse him. They were trying to do anything they could to get him to mess up. Yeah, find fault. Find fault. And as they continued asking him, he, in verse seven, it says, 
he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And the only person in that circle, I imagine, a circle, a crowd, the only person in that crowd that was without sin was Jesus. He was the only one that according to him saying, hey, if you guys are perfect, go ahead and throw, throw a stone at her. But none of them were perfect, and they all knew it. And again, he understood the consequences of all the actions, and he appropriately diffused the situation by putting it back on them in a way that they never planned on defending and saying, hey, guys, look, if you think she's so bad and you want to stone her, if any of you are perfect, go ahead and do it. Then he stooped down and went back to writing on the ground. And when they heard that, it says, being convicted by their own conscience, they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in his midst. And then I, I just, again, imagine this scene in my mind. You have these, this angry mob, you know, that is totally humiliated this woman who was guilty of committing adultery and um, in the most humiliating fashion they could threw her in front of the Savior, the ultimate judge, right? Like, you know, who, who, if you're going to go out and do something wrong, I bet you don't want to have Jesus next to you when you do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Horror. So he's coming, throw her in front of him and say, hey, look, we just caught her doing this. Like, how horrifying for this poor woman. And then he says, ask her, woman, where are those thine accusers? And hath no man condemned thee. And she said, no, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. <laughs> Try not to get emotional. Um, how powerful is that? Where are your accusers? They all realized that they were not in a position to accuse anyone of anything because of their own lives and how they lived. And he was honestly able to look into her soul and know exactly how to save her in that moment and then say, neither do I condemn thee. You know, last night we were talking about um, some friends of ours that had made some lifestyle choices and their family seems to have kind of paid the price for those lifestyle choices. And um, as we reflected on how much we loved these people and how we had some remorse for the consequences of the lifestyle choices they had made, Meredith said, you know, we don't know what, where they started. We don't know what they were given to begin with. You know, really, it's not our place to judge, right? It's our place to love and support and help. It is not our place to throw stones. It is not our place to gossip or, or really um, assume what they must have been thinking because we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I love about that, too, when Jesus says, neither do I condemn thee. Like, when I think about that, like, do I condemn people when I know that they've done something wrong? And even if it's just with our own thoughts, because 
Like I would never go to someone and say, oh my gosh, you messed up. Like, why'd you do that? Like, what's wrong with you kind of thing. But if, even if it's in our own thoughts, our thoughts in some ways turn to actions in some way or another. So if we're having these thoughts of how horrible these people are that they did, whatever, like maybe you feel awkward about that. And so when you come into contact with them, you don't talk to them or you don't say anything, or you just kind of try to avoid because it's awkward and, those little things go into action and it affects the way, I don't know, the way you make people feel, I think. So I think it's so important in, in any situation like that, like sometimes you have to have your own judgments to protect yourself from, you know, people that might cause harm or whatever. you got to have boundaries. But I think in most cases, just if you can put all of that aside and just choose to see the good, choose to see them as human, choose to see them as somebody who has made a mistake and just love them anyway, that is what's going to help save them and bring them back. Like that pure love of Christ is healing. And so the only job that we have in circumstances like that is to love, like period. It's not our job to try to fix them or try to put them in their place or anything like that. It's our job to love and Christ will do the rest in bringing them back. Absolutely. Absolutely. You never know what struggle or what battle someone is facing or fighting behind the scenes. And it's really easy to judge. It's really easy to, you know, stereotypically put people in boxes or and categories of how they should act or what they should have done or, you know, how in the world, you know, do you, how, how in the world do you come off thinking you commit adultery like this woman, right? Like that was wrong. She, I mean, obviously she's wrong. I don't think you're going to get anybody to argue with committing adultery being wrong, right? right? But we don't know her circumstances. Well, we don't know where also- she was, what, what her background is. We don't know. You know, who knows? Like, But even still, like, what was she feeling in that moment? What compassion should you have in that moment, like, for what she's feeling? Like, yes, like, she, whatever, she made a horrible decision, and who knows the circumstances behind that. But in that moment, she needed to be loved. She needed, she needed the Savior to love her, not to, you know, judge and condemn and put her in her place. Like, she... I'm pretty confident she felt the weight of that already. I'm pretty sure she did. You know. Yep. Um, I'm sure as soon as they grabbed her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. she was like, oh, man, how bad is this going to get? Right. Right. Because she knew. She knew right. the stakes. Right. It's, really, it's a powerful lesson that I think we can apply to lots of different circumstances. Yeah. Our opportunity is to love. In fact, when Jesus taught us the... Um, first great commandments, that was what they were. The first great commandment was to love God with all your heart, might, mind, and soul. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so Jesus basically taught that your job here is to learn how to love, right? Love God. And, and you know, we, and he also said we love God by keeping his commandments, how we show him we love him. You know, it says that in, in John 14. Um, and so we love God. And then we love our neighbor as ourselves. And we can't love our neighbors properly unless we truly find love for ourselves. And that is probably one of the deepest journeys that we can have in this life is learning how to love yourself and learning how to have love for yourself and continue to propagate that love so that it's genuine and real 
and that you can actually, once you understand how to love yourself and accept yourself and, and be good to yourself and nurture yourself, then you can go do that for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, we'd love to know how you felt about this story and your thoughts and reflections. And what's your take? You know, do you, how, how, how did this make you feel? And how would you want to be treated in the same situation? Let us know in the comments. We'd love to respond to that. And we'd love to know if you want to hear more stories like this. And don't, now, don't forget to do your part. We need you to clickety-click, like, share, and subscribe. Don't forget to share this episode with people that you know would be interested in it and may brighten their day and give them some insight into something they haven't thought of for a while. And we invite you to tune in next time for an excellent episode of The Value Script.